I didn't become a Christian until my oldest was, I don't know, she was seven, I think. And, and I was a Christian when my youngest was born. And I tried to go back and fix it. Let me share something with you parents. You can't fix it. What you do is you pick up today and be what you weren't in that day. It's when I learned how to become a dad, which I did through this book, through godly examples. Gentlemen, this is an awesome place for you to get involved in the men's ministry, our uh, maximized manhood, how to be a dad, how to be a father, how to be a husband, how to be a friend, how to be a mentor. Well, I started living that way. And all these years later, my oldest is, I know I'm going to shock most of you because you don't realize I'm that old. Uh, My oldest is going to be 43 this year. Now, don't ask how I at 39 have a 43-year-old daughter, but can I tell you something? My son and my daughter, our sons and our daughters, you know who they call? Without exception, they call mom and dad when they're going through things. Because, you see, we made lots of mistakes before we became Christians. But after we became Christians, we didn't go back to try to right the wrong. It is not about righting the wrong. It is about now doing right in the midst of the wrong. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Center or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's VLCCAZ.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. We can't right the wrong. The wrong was done. We start doing right now. And then the question will come up well, what is different? And your answer is very simple Jesus. Jesus is why I'm different. And you know what it'll do? It'll plant a seed in their lives. And they'll just watch. And you watch what they watch. And they'll come to you. Amen? So parents, welcome. I want to read to you out of God's Word, Deuteronomy chapter 6. And I could use lots of different scriptures But I use this particular one because it starts out with the word, I command you. Because it's not an option. Okay, if we want our children to fulfill Proverbs 22 where it says, raise up a child in the way they should go. And when they are old, they will not depart. It doesn't mean they won't go this way or that way. It literally means the way that was planted in them will not stop flourishing will not stop growing, will not stop drawing them back. And that is the way that we need to raise these children. Look at the Scripture, Deuteronomy chapter 6, if you're following me in your Bibles. Chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. What's the very first thing he tells the people? God has to become the preeminence of your life. He has to become the all and all in your life. If you want life, you got to give it to him. And then he takes it, blesses it, and gives it back to you. And then he goes on to say, and these words I command you today. These words that are in your heart, teach them diligently to your children. Mom, Dad, listen. Teach them diligently with every fiber of your being. Diligently to your children. Talk about them when you sit with them in the house. It's easy to talk about the latest game show or the latest TV show or the latest football show. But what about talking about Jesus when you're at home? Talk to them in the house when you sit together, when you're walking down the road. You're just having that small talk. Did you ever think about just glancing your eyes up and focusing on that place called heaven and just bringing your son, your daughter, your children into the conversation? They might look at you and say, yeah, that's kind of pretty. But what about, no, what about heaven? We're going to spend a long time there. It goes on to say, when you lie down, And when you rise up, first thing I did with my children every night after I became a Christian, they never went to bed without dad praying for them. Oh, they might have had a rough day. The Bible still believes in what's called the rod of correction. It says using the rod won't kill them. It says it in the Bible. But it will drive the evil spirit away. It says it in the Bible. I might have had to use the rod through that day, but I talked to him before I did it. Rod, what do you mean? Spanking them. Are you okay out there? I talked to them before I spanked them, and I did not say this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you because I knew that was a lie. They knew it was going to hurt them. So if I would have said that, it would just be patronizing. But I did tell them, do you know why I do this? There are consequences for wrong. Today's society, the problem we have is we have no consequences for wrong. You've got to have consequences for wrong. You've got to. Okay? When you lie down, the last thing I did that night, no matter what happened that day, is I prayed with them. I pray God's blessing. I pray God's covering. Matter of fact, my, my, my boy, Timmy, he would say, Daddy, would you sing with me? Everything is beautiful. Every night I would have to sing him to sleep. <laughs> Everything is beautiful in its own way. How he loves the little children. And then it says when you rise up, what's the first thing you do with your kids in the morning? You get them ready. You get things going. 
And then you pray with them. You're starting your day that way. You're ending your day that way. Look what it goes on here to say. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and shall be as the frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Joshua said it best when he said, as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. We have it at our house and our neighbors, Bob and Tina, great big sign, as for me and my house, we will serve. Many of you, but do you talk to the kids about it? This is God's house. This is God's house. So today, parents, Pastor Ray, Pastor Bev, I'm going to pray back here. But they're going to lay hands on you. They're going to lay hands on the babies. We're going to bless the children. But I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you in God's word. Be a man of God. Be a woman of God. You want this little one to know God? He won't see him unless he first sees him in you. Don't try to make up. You can't. Just rise up. Stand up. And then what's the scripture say? Go and sin no more. Pastors, would you pray? Stretch your hands forward this morning, would you please? Father, in the name of Jesus. And if you pray out loud, go ahead and pray. Go ahead, just pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for these wonderful families. God, all across this platform, God, we have moms and dads, God, that have these precious little bundles of joy. God, they they may be younger, they may be older. That is a, a moot point. The fact is, is regardless what yesterday held, tomorrow is full of the blessings and the promises, but it all begins in the decision we make today. God, help these moms and dads. Help them. God, to rise up in you, to stand up in you, to be strong in you. And the power of your might, God, in your word, to speak it forth over their children, God, over their homes. God, as they come in and out of that house, let your blessing go in with them and come out with them. And let your blessing stay circulating and around that house in protection and grace. Thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. We know it's not by might and we know it's not by power, but it's by your spirit, God, that all these things are done. Father, the husbands and wives that have stood with some of these and, God, some that didn't come to the platform, help each be encouraged by each one. God, to stand strong. God, to be filled with your great grace. God, to walk in the plan that you foreordained for them all to walk in. We thank you for it and your blessing, your blessing upon these beautiful children. In Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Would you this morning? Okay, I ask you to do me a favor before you leave or before sometime today. Make sure my wife has correct spelling of your children's names because we will get a a certificate for each one of them. Okay, but I, I hate to spell it wrong, you know. So please, but don't come see me.
Go see her. Okay? God bless you. As they leave the platform, let them know you love them one more time, would you? Wow. Yep, that baby sure is pretty, Iwan. Oh, I love babies. I don't hold them very well. <laughs> if you've ever seen me hold babies, I've had, I have had countless women say, Pastor, you hold it like a football. What are you doing? I said, This is the, uh, uh, we actually had a little uh, date confusion on the, on the shoe boxes for uh, the Billy Graham ministry, Franklin Graham, the, the Christmas child. So this is the last, this, this is it? Next Sunday is the last Sunday. And we've only got eight boxes turned in so far, folks. We had a hundred last, we had 90, over 90 last year. So please, if you have them at home and you're packing them up, or maybe you're like a lot of Christmas folks and you wait for the last minute. It is the last minute, okay? And so go ahead if you would do that and get them turned in uh, to Tandy uh, this week, and we will, we will just have a wonderful time. How many have enjoyed our journey towards heaven? Today I'm going to continue on this, but I want to give you a little prelude of where I'm going next week and the week after. I really, in, in, in doing this whole, this whole thought of the end times and talking about stuff that we are looking at in this day, I, you know, a lot of, over the years I have really, I really stressed on looking at the end time scenarios that are happening in the newspapers and stuff like that. And this year, I really felt impressed with the Lord. I said, don't, don't talk about all of that because I'm not coming back for the world. I'm coming back for the church. Talk about what's happening in the church. One of those scriptures that always just gripped my heart is when Jesus said, when I return, will I even find faith on the earth? And it's, it's so much... So much the church is on the precipice of the world. We, we, have, we have taken the church so much and, and become so, so ill-advised, if I can say that without reservation, that we've got to become more like them if they're going to ever see him. Think about that statement for just a second. How can I become more like them if I'm supposed to become more like him? So I think I'm supposed to become more like him that through me, he can reach them. But the church has taken the other, the other extreme so much in the hour we live. So I was, I was asking God, what do I do about this and, and, and trying to talk about these different things. So next week, I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to talk about angels and demons. Why? They all originated in heaven. Oh, they weren't called demons when they were in heaven. They were called angels. But when they fell, they became demons, fallen angels. Very real, very real. 
creatures. They just chose a different path. And I share with people all the time this one statement, you don't have to go to church to become a Christian, but if you don't go to church, you most likely will not stay a Christian. Did you ever notice, and some of you will relate to this, that when you stopped going to church, how much easier it was to stop going to church? When you miss a service, how much easier it was to miss the next service? And when you miss a few services, how hard it was to get back to the fellowship together that God said that we need. And so I'm going to talk about angels and demons because I'm going to talk about it from the perspective in this hour, what is their strategy for our lives? They have a strategy, a strategy given by God and a strategy given by Satan. And you and I are the target. So we're going to talk about that next week. The following week, I'm going to take you from the glory of heaven to the fires of hell. Why? Once again, in looking at all of this, God really impressed upon my heart is to help people understand this is not a party destination. It is not an alternative destination that you even want to consider. And so in looking at these things, I really think it apropos to bring in the full picture. How many think that might work? But today I want to talk about heaven. We're going to spend a long, long time there. I love the worship team doing that song. Beautiful job, Heather. Beautiful job, worship team. When I I heard Bill holding that out, I'm thinking, oh, I know what he's doing. It's just out there, and it's, it's, it's pulling us in. Because we're going to spend such a long time there, I, I really wanted to try to go into Scripture and describe heaven as best as I can. And you know, the interesting thing is over the last, the last uh, few weeks, I cannot tell you how many things about heaven I've been reading and seeing and, and looking at. So what I want to first today is I want to talk about the reality that there are three heavens. Okay? The first heaven, and these are all in your notes, so you don't have to go digging for them. The first heaven is what we simply call the atmosphere. It's the air we breathe. It's the place between, between earth and the sky, the, the outer uh, atmosphere, if you will. It's the place that contains the air and the clouds. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 2 that the birds fly in heaven. In Acts chapter 14, it says, rain falls from heaven. Now, you don't, you're not going to have all these scriptures in there, folks. I got a lot of scripture that I didn't put in your notes. And I could have put a lot more that talk about these specific things to give us a perspective. The birds are not flying. You know, I've never heard an astronaut talk about the robins in space. 
I've never heard them talking about different birds that they saw. In a, we're talking about the first heaven. Well, the second heaven, which is very clear, is the stellar heaven, which contains the stars and the planets. The Bible says in Psalm 19 that the sun and the moon move across the heavens. But it also says in Ephesians chapter 6 that the demonic realm and the angelic battles, according to Revelation chapter 12, are in that realm, the second heaven. But finally, there's a place called the third heaven. And this is a place that, that we just see glimpses of in Scripture. It's where God's throne is located. It is a place that the Bible several times calls paradise. The third heaven called paradise. They're, they're synonymous terms. It's where those that have died, those that have died in Christ are now awaiting their resurrected bodies. You say, well, they're, they're in heaven without bodies. They have a supernatural body, but they do not have their immortal body, their resurrected body. That all is going to happen at the last day. So we have the first heaven, the second heaven, the third heaven. 1 Corinthians 15 talks about in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, this mortal would put on immortality. This corruptible will put on incorruption. And we shall be changed. We'll have the same kind of body then that Jesus had after the resurrection. Remember the Bible says that the disciples were inside the chamber, the upper room. The door was locked. And all of a sudden Jesus appeared to them. Did he just show up? Did he walk through the door? I think he walked right in through the door with it being locked. Why else would the Bible say the door was locked? Just, just speculation. I don't know. But when you talk about the third heaven, this heaven that contains everything, 1 Kings chapter 8, says, Behold, the heaven and heaven of heavens cannot even contain thee. Even though it's God's throne room, there is no place that can fully contain God. 1 Kings 8 talks about thou in heaven, which is your dwelling place. So I want to quickly get into some thoughts today. And I want to ask a simple question. A question that has been on everyone's mind for years and years and years. And that is, is heaven really real? Now I want to take you to It's a Wonderful Life. No, every time a bell rings, an angel does not get wings. Sorry, don't want to ruin anybody's thoughts there. And no, I want to take you to, what's the, what's the movie with the guy that jumped and fell from heaven? Uh, yeah, City of Angels. That is not real either. When you fall from heaven, you got one reason you're falling. You're changing sides. I shared the statement earlier, and I'll conclude the statement now. If you don't go to church, you probably won't stay a Christian. 
The statement, the reason I make that statement is think about the angels when I talk about angels and demons. They were angels before they became demons. They were living in paradise, in God's glory, and they still fell because they were still deceived. How do you think you and I are going to make it in a fallen world? When the deceiver of the brethren day and night, according to Revelation 12, accuses us, we need each other. Can somebody say amen? Is heaven a real place? The Bible talks a lot about heaven. Jesus is preparing a place for us. John 14, he said, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there's many mansions, and I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you will be also. See, we're going to meet and spend eternity with the Lord there according to 1 Thessalonians 4, 17 and 18. Once again, lots of other scriptures, but I just put those in your notes so you could go look for yourself. It says that we will meet the Lord in the air, and we will be forever with the Lord. So I think talking about heaven is a very good thing. The questions that always come forth is, where is heaven? How do I get there? What is it like? Well, I promise you this morning, I will not answer every question on your mind. For we don't know everything, but we know Something about heaven. Every time heaven is talked about, it's referred to as up. Every time heaven is talked about, it is referred to as up. Now, folks, I want to dash another dream. There is no stairway to heaven. You okay? (laughs) No escalators. But be encouraged, there is not a highway to hell either. But there is a broad path to one and a narrow path to the other. But I wonder, as our worship team so eloquently did, just for a moment, can we just close our eyes and imagine? Could you do that today? Just for a moment. I can only imagine what it will be like when I walk by your side. I can only imagine what my eyes will see when your face is before me. I can only imagine. Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus, or in all of you be still? Will I stand in your presence, or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine. 
imagination work. Is heaven a real place? Is heaven a real place? First and foremost, let me just try to do away with some of the obvious. Is heaven in the clouds? Well, yes and no. The three heavens, we go through the clouds. But is the heaven that we're talking about in the clouds? Not in the way that movies depicted or, or the caricatures are depicted over the years. Will heaven just be a place of all white? I don't think so. When you start reading about the descriptions of heaven, oh, the, the walls will be pillars of pure uh, 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 pearl, the gates. But when you, or the gates are, 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 are one solid pearl, the Bible says. But it also talks about the walls being jasper and lined 
with gold and bejeweled with deep blue sapphire and chalcedony and, and beryl and emerald and, and, and uh, chrysolite and topaz and, and janeth and, and, and uh, sardonyx and, and cornelian and, and amethyst. And, I mean, are, are these it kind of exploding colors? Does that look like a pure white or a plain white? I've already addressed this just a touch. Do people become angels? No, Clarence. Some of you will say, Clarence, you'll get it when you leave today. They do not become angels. No, people will not have wings and halos. Matter of fact, in going through all the searching, there's no place in the Bible that I can find anything about a halo. There's radiance, there's glory, there's all kinds of this, this uh, imagery, if you will, but nothing about halos. And once again, I go back to the whole, the whole concept of the, some of the movies that will you have a sense of taste and smell and all these different things in heaven. I, I, I'm trying to address the question, is heaven a real place? And I've got lots and lots of scripture. Well, the Bible tells us that when Jesus came back in his glorified body, one of the first things he asked the disciples, you got something to eat? They were sitting down breaking fish and bread and all. They were, they were folks, is there smell? Is there taste? Is there, well, I'm not thinking you're going to be eating if you ain't smelling and tasting. Now, I know one of the hard things. Have you ever had somebody say, I don't want to go to heaven. It's just going to be filled with all of these perfect people. Let me tell you right now, if that's true, I'm not going to be there. Because I'm as far from perfect as you can get. I'm being perfected. But it's not a place of prudes and nerds. Some of you are saying, yeah, that means I can get in. And then... Some of the other questions I'll address as we go on here. Is it a real place? Well, let me give you some descriptions from the Bible. You know, the Bible says there's going to be windows in heaven. Malachi, a very familiar passage of Scripture, says, Bring all the tithe into the storehouse and see if I will not open what? The windows. How many think God might have some pretty big windows? The windows of heaven. But the interesting thing about it, that same window that is open, those windows that are open for blessing today, were opened once as a curse in Genesis chapter 8, or 7 and chapter 8. It says the fountains of the deep were broken up, and the windows of heaven were open, and rain was poured out 40 days and 40 nights. But that God remembered Noah. And the Bible says he shut up the windows. The same thing was a blessing for us today. Was a curse for others then. Let me go on quickly. The Bible talks about doors 
in heaven. Does this sound like something that's an ethereal or a mystical place? The Bible says that John looked, and we're going through the book of Revelation, and we're going to be talking about doors on several occasions. He said he, he looked and he saw a door standing open in heaven. I think the, 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 the irony is the very first door that we hear about in the Scriptures is the door of the ark that God closed. God's opening a door in heaven to bring all of his children home. But God said, I'm closing the door that no longer can the corruption of the world. And he went with eight people, Noah and his family, eight, the number of new beginnings. He closed one door, but yet he opens another. Can I tell you something? You might have a door closed in your life, but I promise you God has another door standing wide open. God closed the door on the boat, the ship, the ark, for some of you purists out there. But he also said he opened the doors of heaven to feed the Israelites in the wilderness. You can find these in Psalm 78 and Revelation 4. The Bible talks about a throne in heaven. Once again, Revelation chapter 4. The imagery, I try to just give a little picture of what you might imagine. Every imaginable and even unimaginable jewel known is going to be found in heaven. People that have gone to heaven, they talk about the splendor, they talk about the glory, but they talk about it in humanly terms and saying, you can't really describe. Can I tell you something? To describe its splendor, mere words only confuse the description because it is a place that is too wonderful for words to even begin to detail. This is why the imagery in the Bible many times when it's talking about heaven describes heaven as a garden, a place of rest, a house with many rooms, a kingdom, a heavenly country, a place of pure, uninterrupted joy. You know what I find is the common denominator in that? Every description communicates the truth that heaven is a place where all who have a relationship with Jesus will be filled and fulfilled. Psalm 11.4 says, God's house, God's throne is in heaven. It says the earth is his footstool. Can you, can you just imagine in the depths of your understanding what is there? The imagery. We cannot even fathom. But look what it says in 1 Peter 1, 3 through 4. It's in your notes. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and an inheritance that can never perish, an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. And you know what God says? He said, I'm keeping it in heaven for your arrival. Oh, I don't think anybody got that. I'm keeping it in heaven for your arrival. My wife and I saw a, uh, well, she, she saw it originally. I don't know uh, how it all originated, but 
there was this pastor who had had, had open heart surgery, and he, he died and went to heaven. And he came back and shared all the struggles of it. But one of the great perspectives of the imagery that, that he was able to see, an angel was escorting him around heaven. And one of the places that the angel took him was to this great stable. And he saw one of the horses with the breastplate and, and all the garb of military regalia upon the horse and a commander sitting on it. And on the commander's breast were the words, faithful and true. Anybody have an idea who that might be? He's in this stable and there was, there was countless horses. They, they're, they're, the number wasn't talked about. <laughs> But he was there and he was looking at that and many of the horses had rider. But he looked out at a myriad of horses that had no riders. And all the horses were kind of hovering above the ground. And you can ask her about it and she can show you the, the, the Google thing, how to search Google to find the thing. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. Okay. And so she, uh, uh, the, the, the horses were kind of hovering, and, but they were all getting prepared like military exercises. And then the, the pastor saw these, these horses, and they were all moving in the same move, but they had no riders. And the man asked the question, where are the riders? The angel told him, they're coming soon. You and I, the Bible says, are going to be riding horses back for the battle of Armageddon. Come on, somebody get excited. But God said, I've kept all of this in heaven for you. John described a city, 12 gates of pearl, three on the north, on the south, the east, and the west. 12 angels stood at these 12 gates. Is heaven a real place? Well, let me tell you that John described 24 elders, 12 from the Old Covenant, 12 from the New Covenant, that were glistening white garments and pure gold crowns, meaning they have already accomplished. The tree of life from the Garden Eden was there in this place called heaven. Its leaves are for the healing of the nations in this place called heaven. And a river of life flowed from under the throne. And the streets were pure and transparent gold in this place called heaven. How many think heaven might be a real place? Beyond expression, profession, or even comprehension. Still. Though spiritual, yet very physical. So quickly, what will heaven be like? Folks, I'm going to try to put some kind of skin on this if I can. Revelation chapter 12. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He'll live with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them. And it says he'll wipe every tear from their eyes. No more death, no sorrow, pain, crying. 
all these things are gone forever. But listen, and the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. See, what's going to make heaven heaven, folks? Like the song declares, Jesus is going to be there. I'm going to see him face to face. I'm going to know him as he is. But can I tell you, in the description of all the things that are going to be there, I think the things that bless me the most is the things that won't be there. Can I tell you about them? There'll be no tears, no death, no sorrow, no crying, no pain, no night, no curse, no hunger, no thirst, and if I could very candidly say hundreds of other things will not be there that plague us currently here. The Bible says that the angels will be busy serving God, carrying out his, his desires and his plans and his purposes. But when Jesus was born on this earth, do you know what happened? The angels left their abode, and they came to announce the declaration and shout, praise the Lord, glory to God in highest. Why? Because God has come down to men that God could get man to come up to him. Can somebody get excited in God's house? He stepped out of eternity into time. And on an isle called Patmos, John had a glimpse of heaven. Folks, what we're talking about in Revelation, it's just a, 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 a glimpse. The Bible talks about the first martyr, Stephen. Stephen. God opened his eyes, and the Bible says that he saw the heavens roll back, and he saw Jesus sitting at the right hand, or standing, rather, at the right hand of God the Father. Paul on the Damascus Road, had a glimpse of heaven, a vision so bright that it blinded him. And he spent 14 years in the Arabian desert. And we, we don't know. He said a man in Christ about 14 years ago caught up into the third heaven to see things, caught up into paradise, unspeakable things, unimaginable things. He said the things I, I, can't even, I can't even begin to utter. And you know what God says? I have all this waiting for you. Is anybody excited or is it just me? I got all of this waiting for you. This is why Paul in Acts 26 could say, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to that heavenly vision. He said, I have a whole lot more waiting for me. Uh, well, you know, I, I can kill you. Do you think you could? I'd like to, you know, <laughs> depart from, you know, be, leave here, be present with God. You know, what do you do with a guy that's looking forward to going home? Enoch, Elijah. The only two that we find in Scripture that were taken unto heaven without seeing natural death. And they saw the scene, but never returned 
to talk about it. Moses got a glimpse of heaven. And the Bible says his countenance shone so brilliantly that he had to wear a veil for the rest of his life. You know what heaven is going to be? It is going to be an amazing place for all, look at the last line, who are looking for God. If you're not looking for God, you're not going to like heaven. It's not going to be a place that you're going to want to be. First Corinthians, or Second Corinthians chapter 5, look what it says. For we know our earthly house in this tabernacle, if it were to dissolve, this body that we live in was to die. We have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Yes, visible. Yes, physical. Yes, spiritual. Psalm 14 says, and I looked down from heaven upon the children of the earth. See, the one thing about heaven is always talked about as being up. Look what it says here in, in 2 Chronicles. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face. This is where that little thought that it's not about us, folks. It's all about him. And we make it, when we make it all about him, he makes it all about us. Look what it says here. He says, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Realize it's all about me. Then you will turn from your wicked ways. And look what it says. Then I will hear from heaven. What's it going to be like? I don't know. Eye has not seen, nor ear heard. Neither has it entered the heart of a man the things that God has prepared for those who are looking for him, who love him. I've had people ask, well, what am I going to be doing in heaven? Floating on clouds and playing a harp? <laughs> I'm hoping there's going to be a whole lot better minstrels than me in heaven. I'm grateful for the gift, but I'm looking forward to hearing David. According to Revelation chapter 4, what are we going to be doing in heaven? Heaven will not be a functionless democracy. If you read through the scriptures all the way from Genesis on through Revelation, we see different levels of responsibility assigned to different levels of people. There are order and there are structure. God said, when you're faithful and little, I'll give you much. He's talking about the heavenly as well. The Bible says that we're going to judge angels. Does that sound like a functionalist democracy in heaven? Or autocracy, I should say? We're going to judge the angels. We're going to decide the, the fate of the fallen angels. Oh, my Lord. In this place called heaven. The Bible says we are going to be ruling and reigning with Christ. Let me, let me take you to John 5. And then I'm going to take you on the screen to Isaiah 65. 
Jesus said, my father and I are always working. Think about that. The father has never stopped working since creation. I've told people for many, many years, when God said, let there be light, he never said stop. That's why in today's science and today's astronomy and uh, uh, those different things, they're saying it's like the heavens are growing. Billions upon billions of galaxies. It just continues. Folks, I don't know exactly, but I do know the Bible says that we're going to build. We're going to have houses. We're going to have occupations. The Father has never stopped working. Jesus said, I have never stopped working. Isaiah 65, look, it's on the screen. I am creating. Is it on the screen? Isaiah 65. There it is. I am creating new heavens and a new earth. And no one will ever think about the old ones anymore. Listen to me. People say, that means I'm not going to have any memories of of anything or any. No, that's talking about the problems. Let's just continue on. Be glad, rejoice forever in my creation. Look, I will create Jerusalem as a place of happiness. Her people will be a source of joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and delight in my people. And the sound of weeping and crying will be heard in it no more. Now let me stop right there as I go to the rest. As I've been teaching on Wednesday nights in our Revelation study, the Bible is not chronological when it comes to the different activities and events. Part of this is talking about the the millennium, Part of it is talking about after the millennium. But all of it is talking about after the rapture and after the seven years. Okay? In those days, during the millennium and after, look what it says. People will live in houses. They will build. Folks, listen to me. We're going to have our new bodies. We're going to be ruling and reigning on this earth with Christ. Look at this. In those days, people will live in houses. They will build and eat from what? Their own vineyards. They will no longer work in vain as we do on this earth. Remember Solomon Solomon was, was, was moaning one time. He said, man, I worked my whole life to build this, and I give it to somebody else that doesn't even care. <laughs> They can relate. <coughs> okay, let me try to wrap it up here. I'm working on it. Heaven is a very real place. Will I recognize my loved ones in heaven? The Bible adamantly says yes. This is why we're getting a new body. Now, I've had people ask me, well, pastor, is it going to be a better looking than this body? <laughs> I'm not sure, folks. I know some people say you're going to be 33 years old because that's how old Jesus was when he died. I don't know, folks. But it does say we're going to recognize each other. We're going to be given a new body, an immortal body. Will we know? Will we remember the unsaved? 
We're going to get to Revelation chapter 8 here shortly, and it talks about silence in heaven. And I believe it's going to be a time where God says, all of those memories I'm taking. Every tear he said he keeps in a jar. I think it's those times he's going to take those tears they're not going to need it anymore. Some people say, well, pastor, I've, I've done so much bad, even if I make heaven, how will I ever feel good? There'll be no shame in heaven. Folks, every one of us have a past. Look at somebody and says, yes, I have a past. The reality just like being parents without Christ, you can't go fix what happened, but you can face it. And when you face it, God says, I take care of it. All the shame. You know what Jesus did at Calvary? We see this in the book of Hebrews. The Bible says he endured the cross, despising the shame. See, the shame Anyone that was hung upon a tree, a tree told everyone that was a cursed person. He despised the curse. He said, I have the victory over the curse. You know when you give your life to Christ, you have the victory over the curse. You don't have to be shamed anymore. Well, pastor, I, I still mess up. Welcome to Christian living. We all fall short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. But you know what? He makes all things new. Heaven is a real place, and everything is going to be concluded. Okay, let me talk about it. When we get into the new heaven and the new earth, I don't think that many of these things are going to happen until the end of the millennium, after Satan is loose for a period of time. That's not thus saith the Lord. This is just what I see in Scripture. Pastor, what if you're wrong? Well, let's get to heaven and talk about it. Okay? All things will be revealed. The Bible talks about the judgment seat of Christ. We find that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says that all of us must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Listen to me. All of you that are saying, well, it has nothing to do with works. The Bible says we're going to be tried by the works that we did in our bodies. In Christ. We're going to be tried about them. We're going to have to give account for them. Folks, you can say you have faith all day long. If you're not living for God, if your works are not showing that faith, you have words. That's all you have. Am I making any sense? Okay. All things will be revealed. According to what they have done, the Bible says they will receive according to that, whether good or bad. Now, only the saved stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And we read about this more in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. The great white throne we read about in Revelation chapter 20 is for those that died without Christ. And the Bible says on that day, all records will be opened. The Lamb's book of life and the other books will be opened before the great white throne. You say, well, pastor, why is the Lamb's book of life there if that's supposed to be for the Christians? The Lamb's book of life is there because there's going to be people that thought they were good enough. And God's going to read through the other books and say, 
This is what you did, 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 and didn't do. Is his name in the book? And it'll be said no. And he'll say, depart from me. See, God is a good record keeper. Can somebody say amen? All records will be open. The Bible says everything is recorded, has been recorded in heaven. Every idle word, thought, or deed. Can I have a few more minutes, please? Thank you. Eula, I love you. Nobody else said yes, but that's okay. I know your hearts. Look at, look at Matthew chapter 12. Whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person from the good treasure of his heart will produce good things. An evil person from the evil treasure of his heart will produce evil things. And look what it says here. I tell you, you must give an account on judgment day of every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. This is why we have to give those thoughts to the Lord, casting them down unto obedience unto Christ. We are told not to rejoice because of the works that we have done, but we rejoice because our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Can somebody say amen? In Revelation chapter 20, verse 15, it says those foreboding words, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Say, Pastor, that's kind of, that's kind of a, a narrow way. Yep. I, I loved my sister's testimony this morning. I was saying I was a Christian, but I wasn't living like one. What about you? He judges the thoughts and the intents of the heart. We can say what we are all day long, but Jesus knows what we are. All things will be revealed. All things will be opened. Well, folks, for those that know the Lord, all things will be rewarded at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Rejoice, Matthew 5 says, and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. Matthew 6.20, lay for yourselves treasures in heaven. David and Catherine have a game they put together years and years ago. It's called Treasures in Heaven. Interesting thing about the game, most games are won by what you win. Their game is won by what you lose, what you give away. The game of life is won by what you give away, not by what you keep. Can somebody say amen? What are the rewards They're for sincerity, suffering, service? No matter what, if you are a child of God and living for God, it's going to be worth, <coughs> worth it all. We will rejoice, and all is kept in heaven for us. The greatest joy that comes in heaven, the Bible says, is when a soul comes to Christ. Can I tell you, according to 1 Corinthians 15, nothing we do for the Lord will ever be in vain, and God keeps good records of everything. Can somebody say amen? Ultimately, ultimately, the purpose of Calvary will be fully 
fulfilled. Heaven, a place where Jesus said, I am, and you can be also. Please know this. A man may go to heaven without health, without wealth, without fame, and not even have a name. You can go to heaven without learning and without earning without culture, beauty, or friends. You can go to heaven without a thousand under other things. But understand this one thing. You cannot go to heaven without Jesus. This place that I tried in the ineptness of my ability to describe this morning is yours. If you choose, if you desire if you want. Now before you say, I choose, I desire, I want, there's a caveat. It is all exemplified by the life you live. It is all exemplified by the life you live. And, and, and Jesus, there's so many people that get caught up in so many things. The struggles of this world, the struggles of life, the difficulties of living. And the only thing that you need to be caught up in is Jesus. Because he will take everything else away and make all things new. But it's only for those that say, I'm willing to die to this life to live for the next. That's why that song as the worship team comes is so, is so prevalent. Trying to imagine. Trying to understand. Will we know our loved ones in heaven? Something that every one of us have are loved ones that have died before us, that have gone before us. Some for old age, natural causes. Some because they paid a price. Tomorrow is the day we set a cross. It's called Veterans Day. And can I make a statement that's not my statement, it's a statement that so many of us will appreciate. We will have all that we have on this earth because somebody else paid the price for that. 2,000 years ago, Jesus paid the price. 4,000 years before that, and these 2,000 years since that, men and women have been paying the price for you and I to have freedom for you and I to have victory. But it's only a short-lived freedom and victory if you don't know Jesus. The Bible says who the Son sets free is free indeed. I want to do something that we've left to the last of the service because I want us to leave here remembering what He has done. But I also want to leave here remembering 
what so many others have done for you and I on this Veterans Day weekend. Would you play that video for us? If tomorrow all the things were gone I'd work for all my life And I had to start again With just my children and my wife You'll see thank my you recognize To be living here today Chuck Erler right there Cause the flag still stands for freedom And they can't take that away An American Where at least I know I'm free And I won't forget The men who died Who gave that right to me And I gladly stand up Next to you And defend her still today Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land God bless the USA To the hills of Tennessee Oh, Mr. Weaver Across the plains of Texas From sea to shining sea From Detroit down to Houston And New York to L.A. Oh, Richard Wright, look at that Every American heart And it's time we stand and say An American, where at least I know I'm free, and I won't forget the men who died, who gave that right to me, and I gladly stand up next to you and defend her still today, cause there ain't no doubt I love this land, God bless the USA. some of this and we wanted to do this at the end you know where many of those people are heaven they're waiting for you boy the Christians and family wow look that hole man you're going to see some of them again folks there's no way to fully describe the indescribable. But some of those pictures have done so much for so long 
and their whole life's gone. You and I have life. God wants us to have eternal life. And the only way we find heaven is through Jesus. You might be here this morning, and there is nobody that cannot make heaven. There are many that will not make it, but it's not because God didn't choose. God chose life. He chose you. But you have to choose Him. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know where you've been. But I do know through the grace of God where you can be going. And that is a place called heaven. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we're going to have altar prayer team, Bill and Judy, if you would come, Tim and Loretta, uh, Terry and Susan, if you would come. They would love nothing more in their lives than to pray with you to know Jesus, to pray with you to return your life to Jesus. Maybe, folks, can I tell you about this world? There's going to be pain. There's going to be suffering. There's going to be struggle. There's going to be difficulty. And so many times I've seen people give up on God because of people. I want to make a statement, and please don't take offense at this, but if you do, turn back. If you got offended because of somebody else and gave up on God, it's because you weren't living for God, you were living for them. People are going to do exactly what people do. They're going to mess up. But Jesus said, if you just look up, I'll show you the place that all you got to do is stand up and you can make it too. If you're here today, the worship team's going to be singing here in a moment. They're going to be playing softly. But it doesn't matter where you've been. Uh, folks, all kinds of struggles could have caused that. It could have been someone's decision. It could be your decision. It makes no difference today. I can't make up for it. I can't go back and make a brand new start. But I can start and make a brand new end. But that's my choice. I did that with our kids. I did that with my life. I got 10 brothers and sisters. Two of them have died, and I believe by God's grace they're in heaven. I've led either one of them to the Lord at different times, talked to them about Jesus continually bad circumstances on both of them but every time that I have been around when I went to my brother's funeral he died of complications to AIDS my brother was a ex-homosexual turned away from Christ but I talked to the pastor of the church he was going to and she said he made a commitment to Christ and he was living for him when he died I cling on to that. I cling on to that. But I went to that funeral and I officiated my brother's funeral as I did my mother's and my father's and my other brothers. And I had this pastor of this church who knows my whole family because my whole family's almost in the same town. You could throw a rock and hit each one of them. They live that close to each other. And she kept staring over at my table 
I'm thinking, not sure what this is all about. Finally, when everything settled, she walked over to my table and says, I know your whole family. What happened to you? You know what my answer was? Jesus. You see, I've led all my family to the Lord at one time or another. But I've made an uncompromised decision to live for Him. No matter what they like, what they don't like. Folks, everything's waiting in heaven for me because of that decision. It can wait for you for the same reason. Jesus loves you so much. He stepped out of eternity into time that one day you could step out of time into eternity. These folks are here to pray. I encourage you, open your hearts and watch God do miracles in your life. If you know a military person today, you go to lunch today and you see somebody sitting by themselves, some military veteran, whoever it might be, or a police department, fire department, you see them, why don't you spring for their tab? Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. Join us at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. I'm Joe Harden. From Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Center, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.